Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Hi again, folks. Welcome one more time to the Our Resolute Hope podcast. I'm John Russin, the host. I'm here with my sidekick, or maybe I'm the sidekick, uh, Frank Friedman today, and we are continuing with our series that we are calling Liberating the Church with His Life. Frank, how are you doing today, sir? Doing very good. How are you, my friend? I am better than I deserve, to quote Dave Ramsey, <laughs> better than I deserve. <laughs> and if you've been with us in this series, you've known that uh, we've been focusing on, after a 30-year retrospective look on this, how we went about introducing what we're now calling the full gospel of the new covenant the message of Christ's life into a local body where Frank at the time was serving as a new pastor and I was serving as an elder. And in the first couple of weeks, we talked about basically how he and I came to know Christ's life, how we encouraged and shepherded each other, and then how we introduced the body to the message through teaching, through Sunday school classes, parenting classes. We used, uh, can't plug them enough, Bill and Annabelle Gillum, they're with Jesus now but their work still bears fruit uh, and how impactful that was for so many people in our body who were learning as we were. But last week we took a different tone. We began to talk about maybe the underside of, of what we were doing. And that's the resistance, the opposition, uh, the way the, uh, I'm going to use the phrase old guard, the existing people in the body reacted when uh, the message was taught attendance doubled and then it tripled and so many things began to change. And when we last left uh, our conversation, we were talking about uh, some of the ways that law not only infiltrates our lives, but it infiltrates our practices, how we do things uh, in a church and why we do things in a church. We talked about missions and we were talking about music at the very end of last episode. And Frank, you wanted to come back to a comment on drums, because we introduced at that time the very first drum beat into the church, and it was uh, kind of bumpy at times. So go back to your comment on drums, if you will. Absolutely. You know, you said last time that Christians today will say, what do you mean it's a problem to bring drums? <laughs> Every church has drums. But back in the late 80s, early 90s, it was pipe organs and pianos and hymns from a hymn book. Uh, people don't even know what a hymn book is today. Uh, but I wanted to come back to that issue uh, because it's an opportunity, John, to use uh, as a springboard to exalt the power of the new covenant in our individual lives. You know, when I was in seminary and we're, we're learning the Bible and uh, one of the passages in the Corinthians letters is about meat offered to idols. And I remember one of my seminary profs saying, uh, you won't be able to use this much in your ministry because there's no such thing as meat offered to idols. Oh, boy. Uh, au contraire, I would say. Um, when this issue of drums, and we brought a drum set into the church, you'll remember well, John, that 
people came to us, especially missions-minded people, and said, what are you doing bringing drums into the church? Missionaries tell us that it's the same drumbeat that people are using in the jungles to conjure up demons. And we're bringing that into the church. How dare you? Well, our response was from that passage. You don't understand the New Testament. You don't understand the glory of the new covenant. In the Corinthian letters, if you went to the marketplace and you saw meat that was offered to idols. Now, we know demons are behind idols. So that's meat offered to demons. But it's half price. <laughs> you can buy that meat. Say thanksgiving to God, consecrate it unto God, and scarf away. And people think, oh my goodness, that's that's horrid. No, it's not. It's how fulfilled and powerful and strong the victory of Jesus is over the demonic world. And we told those dear people, I can take those same drums beat the same drum beat that that person in the jungle is using to conjure up demons and bring glory to God because we're celebrating that he has won the victory over the demonic world. And they looked at us like a raccoon looking at headlights. They were expecting demonic manifestation in the church because we were using that drum beat. And it's so sad. They didn't understand the fullness of the victory that Jesus accomplished. That's right. Amazing. What that translates into, I remember having this conversation as well, that he gave us all things richly to enjoy. Wow. And do you know what the word all means in Greek? Mm. Guess what? It means everything, <laughs> all yeah. inclusive. So you can take that meat offered to idols and you can sizzle it up on the grill and it can be absolutely mouthwateringly delicious. <laughs> you can thank your father for this miraculous provision. Uh, what yeah, an amazing picture. And you know, you know, Frank, uh, I, maybe one of these days we can have a conversation on, on spiritual warfare and the, the struggles that, are, <clears throat> that many people have. But I found that people who are tied up with law, who are focused on performance, uh, and getting approval from God and meeting some external standards oftentimes are extremely confused over the, the facts of the spiritual realm, that there is no longer an enemy who can, uh, who can control us, right. who, can, who can do what Hollywood tells us that it can do. It's a defeated enemy. The only tool it has is a lie. Yeah, that's all the enemy has is a lie. And so when you know the truth, uh, the enemy becomes like a buzzing mosquito. Yeah, uh, just and, and just as easily dismissed with the truth. Yeah. Truth is a powerful weapon against a lie. Totally defeats it. <clears throat> Indeed it yeah. is. And it'll speaking, be fun to do. <laughs> speaking let's of talk lies. About well, let's let's, uh, let's pray about that. Uh, listeners, if you have an idea, let us know. <laughs> uh, something you'd like us to talk about. Uh, but speaking of lies, I want to jump ahead to uh, where 
the underbelly of this, uh, this interaction there in this church really got gruesome because I want to talk some of the, about some of the personal attacks mm. that were levied against you and levied against me. And uh, I still think back and I think, my goodness, what an incredibly desperate attempt to discredit me by saying some of the absolute nonsense that they said. Uh, for our listeners, uh, I know, Frank, you remember this. Uh, I was accused of having an affair with my secretary. And I, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you're an elder or a leader in a church, I want to share with you how the elders in my church handled this with me. They sat me down. They were very serious. They sat me down and said, okay, Russin, this charge has come forward. What do you say about it? And I said, are you nuts? I'm a university professor. I don't even have a personal secretary. And I remember, I don't know whether it was you or one of the other guys looked at me and said, shut up and answer the question. Is it true? And I said, absolutely not. So if you are an elder or a leader in a church or you're a shepherd of any capacity, uh, please be rigorous with those sheep who are, who are walking with you and examine them carefully to make sure there is no rock or lint or anything in their fur that will damage the fleece and damage their fruit. So inspect your sheep carefully. And to this day, I'm so thankful for what those brothers did to me, but I tell you, it makes me mad, Frank, because when the lies start flying, it really got my blood to boil. Yeah, nobody likes to be slandered. Nobody likes to be gossiped about. But I, I, I marvel, I shouldn't marvel, but I marvel that the Holy Spirit knew that was going to happen. And he even put in the letters to Timothy these words, do not even receive an accusation against an elder, except by two or three witnesses. And that means they can confirm the accusation. And here's the interesting thing. It doesn't say elders go investigate the accusation. He says, don't even receive it. That's amazing. The Holy Spirit knows that, you know, leaders in a church are going to be pray for the enemy. He's going to try to knock them down. And so we have to be extra careful to protect them and not even allow an accusation. He's, we don't, we're not even supposed to investigate it. We're not even supposed to receive it unless there's confirming evidence. That's amazing. Yeah, these folks were really diligent. Uh, they not only attacked you and me with these personal attacks, uh, they attacked other members of the body. Uh, share with, with our listeners some of the experiences you've had regarding the, uh, the legalism with regard to, uh, to childbirth. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was so sad. Um, you know, when you're gonna live by a standard, uh, people are not content with just the standards in the Old Testament law. They'll start to even draw tighter standards with language like, you know, if you really want to be close to God. And so I'll never forget this. I've shared it many times. This uh, young lady came into my office. She was pregnant and she was crying. And she said, Pastor Frank, I just can't do it. And I said, well, what can't you do? And she said, I can't have a Christian childbirth. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what Bible passage is that from? <laughs> you know, I said, what is a Christian childbirth? And she said, 
no drugs, no anesthesia. And I said, who's teaching you this? And I brought those people in and I said, are you teaching this? Oh yeah, you've got to have a Christian childbirth. And I said, well, what's your definition of a Christian childbirth? And they said, no anesthesia, no reference to Jesus, just no anesthesia. So I said to them, you realize by that definition, a woman who worships the sun God or the moon God, who squats in a field to have her child with no anesthesia is having a Christian childbirth. And my purpose was to try to make them think of the bondage that they were putting on people that was totally and completely unbiblical. And uh, it was so sad. You know, there was another one, John, she came into my office and she was in tears. And she said, I I just can't do it. And I said, what can't you do? She said, I can't trust God with the womb. And I said, trust God with the womb. What is that? And she said, you're not allowed to have any contraception. And so, again, I called these people in and I said, are you teaching that? These are the same people, right? Oh, yeah. They said, you have to walk by faith. And that means no contraception. And so fortunately, in my younger days, I had a sharper mind (laughs) than I do now. But I said, "Um, do you people practice the rhythm method? And they said, yes, we do. And I said, well, then you're not trusting God with the womb. If you're trusting God with the womb, you should have sexual relations anytime you desire. So still, there was this control but it was a control based on an illusion, a fantasy that wasn't truth. And it was a lie. And wherever you have lies, you're going to have bondage. And they were, these poor young women were in bondage when it should have been the most joyous things in their lives to share relations with their spouse and to have a baby come into their family. And instead the joy was turned to, to bondage and shame and guilt. Yeah, Tragic. That- that's what law always does. It kills and destroys not only you, but everybody you share life with. And it always does it. And, you know, listeners, uh, these are just a couple of examples. There were so many uh, similar type things where uh, the opposition, uh, and I, I don't even know what to call them, but these people who were opposed to the teaching, uh, they really were starting to individually attack members of the body in almost every opportunity. There were things on whether or not you should homeschool or send your kids to a Christian school. Uh, Some people call them Christian daycare abandonment centers. Uh, All this nonsense is going on. Uh, All those decisions are important decisions for families to make, but they are led by the Holy Spirit working through the minds and hearts and desires of the mom and the dad And whatever they decide to do in the eyes of God, uh, under his direction, that's their call. That's no one else's call. So please don't hear us uh, criticizing any one path or choice. Whatever the Spirit tells you to do, that's the path you should follow. But one thing that struck me, Frank, with all these folks is that it became uh, increasingly obvious to us that we were going to have to do something. Discipline was going to have to happen. And uh, you and I were talking about this, that most churches, if they practice discipline, most don't. But if they do, they're for things like adultery or the most heinous visible sins. But I tell you, we wrestle with discipline because of uh, spiritual abuse. 
didn't we? And, you know, John, uh, you and I have been in this game a long time. And, you know, physical abuse is horrible. Verbal abuse is horrible. Emotional abuse is horrible. But in every one of those three abuses, there is a God that you can run to. Spiritual abuse is the worst abuse of all because it removes God from playing the role of your great rescuer and redeemer. He's mad at you because you're not doing whatever thing this legalist thinks you should be doing. And now you have no one to run to. And so it's really struck me when we went through the book of Galatians, this incredible passage where Paul said, cast out the bondwoman because she's persecuting the free. And the reference, of course, was to Hagar and Ishmael uh, versus Sarah and Isaac. And Ishmael was uh, persecuting Isaac, the son of the free woman. And Paul used that story to say, and this is mind boggling. I had just, it had never entered my mind. When you have legalism in the body of Christ, you love those people. You share truth with those people. But when the legalism goes to the next level and they start persecuting the free, you have to protect the free and put the legalist out of the church. Whoa, that was mind boggling to me. It certainly is. And I wish I could uh, share with our listeners now that we knew precisely when that point arrived and we acted calmly, <laughs> calmly and confidently to, to make that happen. But we didn't. And we didn't. And so honestly, uh, we struggled because we'd hear reports, we'd hear stories, people were being wounded almost right and left. And in retrospect, I think Father basically forced our hand to do something. And uh, listeners, this is how he did it. Some of the old guard, the pillars of the church, one Sunday pulled me aside because uh, I was there from the very beginning. They pulled me aside and they said, John, we are just not happy with the changes in the music, with the changes in the messages. We're just not happy. Can you do anything to change it? You of anybody should be able to make these changes. And I looked at them and I said, we're not going to make the changes. You might be happier someplace else. And I'll tell you something, if you've ever told that to people who have helped shepherd you and your wife and your children, it's a pretty gut-wrenching thing to do because they had some things right. Oh, yeah. But on this issue, they were dead wrong. And they were basically the, the kingpins, the ringleaders of all these folks who were just sniping and snipping and hurting and wounding people. And they were the ringleaders. And Frank, in retrospect, I, I, don't, I don't know if I could have handled it any differently. Although someone with a different set of, of eyes might say I could have, but uh, things really changed when that conversation happened because they stopped coming. Yeah. You know, it's, I almost think of that, it's not the same exact principle, but, you know, in the New Testament, in the Corinthian letters, when Paul said, a little leaven 
will leaven the whole lump. Now, in that context, he's talking about if you tolerate sin. But I think the same principle applies with legalism. If you tolerate it, it's going to leaven the whole lump. Yes. And, you know, John, I remember a person come coming to me. And this was their charge against me. And it really made me think. He said these words, you waited too long to deal with those people. Yeah, I'd say he's right. Wow, that really struck me because, you know, you keep thinking of like the principle in the Corinthian letters where if a believer is married to an unbeliever, uh, don't put them out, stay with them you know, only if they choose to leave. And so that was kind of the way I was thinking about these dear people who were locked in legalism. Love them, love them, love them. Don't, don't make them leave. But my goodness, when I taught that passage in Galatians that one year, and that person came up to me and said, you know what, you didn't do what you just taught. And I went, wow. Um, that was a heavy load. Uh, yes, it was. And in retrospect, I'd like to think we'd do it differently. But Father stepped in and he fixed the problem. Uh, they left and uh, there was a large contingent of people who left. I forget exactly the number, but a, a pretty substantial portion of our church just left. So we had lots of extra seats for a while. But uh, but what remained was almost like a breath of fresh air, wasn't it, Frank? It was like, ah, oh, wow. Uh, everybody here is here because they want to hear the message and they want to apply it in their lives. Uh, what a breath of fresh air, even though they continue to uh, lob pot shots from a distance, uh, and perhaps they still are. Uh, but uh, the peace that was left behind was absolutely miraculous, wasn't it? Well, the thing about grace is it puts everybody on the same playing field. Uh, I'm accepted because of the finished work of Jesus. You're accepted because of the finished work of Jesus. The badge you wear is Jesus. The badge I wear is Jesus. And we no longer have this, my badge is that I'm a homeschooler. And my badge is that I practice you know, this birth control method. And whenever you have those badges like that, it's going to actually breed competition and division. But when everybody's on the same level playing field of grace, the church becomes an arena of grace, uh, an arena of acceptance. You know, when I teach grace, John, and I'll do a, a series of messages on the grace of God, I give people a homework assignment. And this is what it is. I tell them, if you really want to know if you are understanding and giving grace to others, go to the people closest to you, ask them to please speak the truth, and then ask them this question. Can you relax around me? Can you let your hair down around me? Or do you have to guard your words when you're around me? Do you have to guard your behavior around me? Can you just be you? Or do you have to be someone else when you're in my presence? And then be willing 
to hear the answer. You know, Jesus, not even his enemies, were ever afraid to be in his presence. No sinner, no matter what they had done, was ever afraid to be in his presence. And that's what I think the church needs to be. And I think that's kind of what we experienced, that, that semblance of acceptance finally flowing through the body. Yes, uh, it truly was sweet. But, you know, we've got a few more minutes left, Frank, and there's another topic I want to bring up. And that's uh, <laughs> the what happens next. I remember... Uh, that for a number of years, there was uh, almost a sense of restful jubilation. Uh, in fact, we referred to these uh, in hindsight years later as uh, the great legalism wars, okay? And we, we patted ourselves on the back because we felt so successful and victorious and we really delivered the church. And, uh, and it brought not only a sense of rest and peace, but I think it also in time brought in a sense of passivity because we thought that because we'd won this battle, that the war was over. Well, our enemy is not so stupid. He might lose on one front, but he never stops fighting. And he brings us, brings the, the battle on different fronts all the time so that we always must be on our guard against the, the current version of the lies that he's pitching to us. So would you say that's right, that we had a spirit of passivity that came in? Yeah, I, I you know, the tendency would be to say the jubilation of victory. And I think that would have been okay for a short term. But like you said, it went on for years. And I believe it on the heart as I study history and study uh, the message of the new covenant infiltrating the church, that passivity is the greatest enemy we have, where we slip into thinking that this is an ethereal float. Uh, we forget that there's an enemy out there who seeks to lie, steal, kill, and destroy. We forget that there are false teachers out there. Paul is constantly saying in the New Testament, be on guard, be on guard, beware. Uh, he says, I strive according to the power that is within me. He calls his faith an agony of faith. He calls it a fight. And I, I think, I really do, the greatest threat we have to the message of grace is the perversion of grace. And I think that's what we slipped into. And I fear that that is the great threat that's on the horizon as the message of grace now gets taught in more of the mainstream. And it's a perversion. Uh, Habakkuk, and Paul quoted Habakkuk, the just shall sit on the shelf by faith. Uh, that's not what he says. You know, we're trophies of his grace, yes but we're also his masterpiece created unto doing good works. And Paul said the just live by faith. So it's a uh, work of faith. Uh, Jesus, we received a life. And, you know, people, when I talk like this, people always say to me, you're putting me back under law. No, no I'm not. not at all. I'm putting you under a life that was given to you to be lived through you. 
And that life, you look at the life of Jesus, it's anything but passive. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. When I think about uh, those, uh, those times, those months, those years after, after our great legalism wars, and we finally sort of sunk down into a, a very comfortable position, which always makes me a little wary at times, because we are charged uh, to train up the next generation of leaders, mm. you know, to teach faithful men. And teaching faithful men doesn't only include uh, how to parse a Greek verb and what this different passage of scripture means. It teaches them the full realm of, of spiritual life, which includes warfare. And so as I look back, uh, the question I asked myself was, well, yes, we as elders fought this battle and we learned a lot and we're scarred and we're haggard and we're, you know, we're putting our swords away for now. But what about the next generation? What are we doing to push them into their battle so that they can know victory? They can know Jesus in a way that we know him in their own arena. And that's where I think we, we fell down, Frank. And uh, I'm so pleased that the next generation of leaders is embracing that and they're charging forward, uh, taking on tasks and projects that are beyond what anybody might've dreamed a few years ago. That really mm. excites me. I think in terms of, uh, of Caleb, you know, the guy was 45 years old, I think, when he came back from spying out the land and said, yep, we can take him. And then <laughs> he sat still for 40 more years, just mm -hmm. twiddling his thumbs, sharpening his sword, so to speak. And when they finally went into the land, he said, yep, remember that mountain with the giants? That's the one I want at mm -hmm. 85 years old. Frank, that we would raise up the next generation of leaders who would be cut from the same cloth as Caleb. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. An analogy I would give, John, is, you know, in World War II, the Japanese surrendered, but the message of surrender didn't get to all the troops. And so on various islands, the Japanese continued to fight a war than which they had already surrendered and been defeated. That's our enemy. He is defeated. All of his demons, they are defeated, but they continue to fight a war against us, even though they've already lost. So we have to not ever give up our fight. Uh, we have to, we, it took the fight of Jesus to get us free. And now the Holy Spirit fighting in and through us to keep us free and to set free others. And, you know, when you quoted 2 Timothy 2, this is what we do. We faithfully teach others. Uh, Paul used a word there that this is a trust and it's a banking term. It's our sacred trust. Father trusts us to give this message to others, to protect this message for others. And the wonderful thing I think is it's just so amazing, John. He believes in us and he trusts us to do so. That is an awesomely humbling honor and responsibility to have. Father, may we live up to it. One thought comes to mind, Frank, uh, while I spend my summers in Northern Maine, my home is in Southern Arizona, and we have these critters there 
uh, called rattlesnakes. And I don't know how many species, six, eight, nine different species of rattlesnakes that live out there. And I'll tell you, you know what the most dangerous rattlesnake is? The one you th- that you think you've killed and is dying, but it still can bite you. That's the way it is with the enemy. He's defeated, but he still can hurt you. That's the way it is with law. It's, it's obsolete, but it still can hurt you always be on our guard. Uh, my friend, it's been a wonderful time. I can't, uh, I, I just can't express the pleasure, the peace, the joy that father has brought into my life through what he taught me uh, all those years ago and the way that's manifested and mushroomed in my current walk. How about you? Oh, likewise, um, David and Jonathan, you know, in the battle together and they fought for the freedom of Israel and what a joy to fight with brothers for the freedom of people uh, locked in bondage and the joy of seeing them find true freedom in Christ. You just can't put a price tag on that. And listeners, I want to make this offer to you right now. Uh, If you're listening to this and you have heard something that strikes a chord in you, you want to talk to us more, please reach out to us. We'd be more than happy to chat with you individually, to talk about your experiences, to share what we've learned. There's so much that happened in our experiences that we haven't had time to talk about in these four episodes, but please reach out to us. We will share what we've learned. We'll share our mistakes and laugh together at them. And hopefully you can take some of the lessons that God has taught us and use them to bear fruit in your life. So please, the offer's real, the door is open, reach out to us. And thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Please check out our website, ourresolutehope.com. Take a few moments, browse around, check out our list of resources, send us an email, pop us a line, let us know you're there. Sign up for our newsletter. We'd love to hear from you. Check out our different social media platforms. Pastor Frank is very active there, Facebook and Instagram. And of course, you're already listening to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Amazon Music. We're very grateful for the technology that brings the message of Christ's life to you wherever you are around the world. And as we close one more time, we remind you of our verse, Hebrews 6, 19, that we have this hope, a resolute hope that is an anchor for our souls. And the hope is not a what, the hope is a who. The hope is Jesus. So please, today and always, choose hope, choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at ourresolutehope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.